Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. To the Outstanding Ohioans. Outstanding Ohioans. To the Outstanding Ohioans. To the Outstanding Ohioans. Podcast. Podcast. Hosted by my daddy. Hosted by my daddy. Hello, welcome to the third episode of the Outstanding Ohioans radio show, hosted by Ron Silico. My special guests today are from the Barn and Bunk Market in Trenton, Ohio, Tom and Bev Theobald. Tom, Bev, welcome. Thank Thank you. What we're going to talk about today is just the history of the farm, how it's progressed to where it's at today, future plans, and and then we'll have a little wrap-up session at the end. So, Tom, Bev, I don't really have a guess a preference on on how you answer the questions but i'm I'm sure you'll you both will have the insights in different perspectives to those but just want to start off this farm your families what's your history in this area okay well the farm originally okay my grandfather lived on this farm back in the 30s okay uh my dad grew up here they lived here through the Depression. Dad graduated from Trenton in 1933. And through the Depression, Dad always said what saved the farm was they raised a lot of potatoes. And the potatoes is what saved the farm because they sold to the hucksters. Uh, but they had an, uh, really a farm, which was typical back those with milking cows, hogs, you know, and all that, and farmed with the horses. Moved off of this farm in, I'm going to say, the late 30s. And then Bev's parents bought the farm, I don't know, what was it, honey, 19... 1941. 1941. So my dad grew up here. Bev grew up here. And, of course, then we moved back in the 70s. And uh, when, her, when her dad wanted to, wanted to sell the farm, her dad was uh, was a dairy person. Raised uh, and milked a lot of brown Swiss, and Bev, jump in here and help me, because <laughs> you know more about what you guys did than, than I do at that time. Yeah, he basically, I uh, remember, you know, we had the dairy cattle, even though it's sometimes, I believe, on the farm, they had raised also some beef cattle for a short time, and maybe even hogs for a short time, and there is a... Uh, corn crib on the farm that was originated back to around 1900 when the barns and the house were built and we talk about that in our uh, uh, school tours that the hogs were housed under the corn crib and the corn was shoveled out to them to feed them easily so uh, yeah so we we raised our family we moved here in 1975 when our parents were moving next door and we eventually had a flock of sheep here for our kids and their 4-H projects. Would we have, I think, around 50 to 60 ewes? And yeah, there at the end, we were running pretty close to 100 head of sheep, you know. And they were uh, purebred. They were registered Suffolk and Dorset, which uh, the kids would show at the county fairs and, and shows and stuff like that. We sold breeding stock and and uh, pretty much got out of the sheep business when we started the farm market because we felt like we couldn't do everything like it should be done, you know. Uh, sheep takes a lot of time, you know, you're all the time, you know, you're shearing, you're trimming feet, you're, you know, just just 
taken care of them like babysitters, you know, so we just felt like it wasn't uh, an appropriate animal to have at that time, and besides, we wanted to put all our efforts into the, the farm market, so that's the way that went. So not only is this your family business, the connection started with you two meeting because of it. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, we went to school. I went to, well, of course, when Grandpa moved off of this farm, they moved over to Monroe where they farmed around the Monroe area. And then when Dad gave up farming, uh, they moved into the Jacksonburg area, which I was in the sixth grade, and I guess that's when, you know, I first met Beth. Of course, I don't remember back in sixth grade, but she was in my class, you know, later on when, well, I guess you could say we hooked up, you know, so, and really at the time, uh, it was funny because I really didn't know that my dad had grew up on this farm and lived here until after we bought, moved in, and he started telling stories about, you know, one Christmas Eve, they had a fire in the attic and stuff like that, and and things like that, I mean, I, I didn't know. I mean, the next day I was up in the attic looking, and sure enough, there was a fire, you know. <laughs> so it was just different things that, you know, that we learned later on. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. I mean, the way, the way we met was, you know, and it, it's kind of funny, was it was, uh, well, I wouldn't say met, but, I mean, it was a New Year's Eve dance. And my buddy and I, we went together, and Bev went with another gentleman. And it was a lady's choice dance, and she asked me to dance, and I ended up taking her home and <laughs> been with her ever since. Wow. My brother said I was in big trouble for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> you never go with one fellow and come home with another. Well, maybe I made a mistake. <laughs> We just celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary, so wow. I think it was not a mistake for us. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you. So you touch on a little bit of the history in terms of acres in your operation. How, how much is this? How many acres does this farm have? Well, the farm has, there's a total of uh, probably somewhere around 75, 80 acres. We don't use all of that for what we're doing. We probably got, uh, I'm going to say, 30, 35 acres in produce, and the rest of it's rented out. Uh, but our first crop that we come out with is asparagus for the year, and we go with asparagus to peas and beets and a lot of sweet corn, a lot of green beans, a lot of pumpkins, a lot of gourds right now. We're getting into what's going to be uh, probably our busiest time of the season because we do a lot of, of school tours and festival weekends. So this this is probably, I'm going to say, more intense than than some of the other times of the year, although they're, they're busy, not as busy. So, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, well, we try to put... School kids, I mean, we do school tours through the week. Uh, we average somewhere, what, there between... We had around 1,500 uh, children here for school tours last year. Wow. And that's just during the month of October, Monday to Fridays. And uh, so we have uh, preschools, we have elementary schools that come from public and private school systems. 
and a lot of them come year after year with if it's a first grade teacher then she has a new first grade next year she will come back but bring children that have not been here so they have a really good time they uh, take a hayride they make a scarecrow together usually Mm. and uh, or else ask for Tom to do a demonstration out of the the uh, corn or excuse me the Room shop. Room shop, or sometimes we or do. Or maybe a corn demonstration. Yeah, corn demonstration, yeah. They get to go through our mazes and get a pie pumpkin and a treat bag. And they're here about an hour. Or they may bring their lunch and stay for mm-hmm. another two hours. But uh, they have a good time. And then, of course, on weekends, we do our fall festival. So we have six festival weekends starting in September and uh, going through the month of October. So October's a killer month, but we have a good time and a lot of hire a lot of extra help and kids that come here and pick beans in the summer and show us that they really want to work, we'll ask them back to help with the fall festivals and they're really excited about that. Great. And uh, this year, I'd say we've had probably um, more kids working harder than we've had and even few years back. Really good kids. And I think their parents are as excited as they are about working. Maybe sometimes more excited. Sure. But, uh, it's always interesting when a parent drops a kid off and says, we want you to teach him how to work. <laughs> you know, that's easier said than done. I mean, you know, if they're not used to it, then it gets kind of difficult on how we're going to teach, you know, someone how to work. All we can do is, is teach him, you know, what what it's all about, you know, and, and by doing a good day's work, you feel better at the end of the day. You know, you got something to show for it. Not only that, but you feel good about what you've accomplished. So it works out for both of us. What's kind of neat is when, uh, you know, some of our kids dislike young fellow that's over there working the register in the barn today started working for us well, I'm going to guess probably 10 years ago it was a young boy yeah. okay he's now out of college he's an electrician and still wants to come back and, and, and help wants to work out you know with us and and, and, and it kind of makes you feel good you know mm-hmm. a lot of our kids that's workforce has gone on to be I think we got two or three that are doctors a lot of attorneys a lot of teachers a lot in the healthcare thing and and most of them, I would think that if you give them a call and say, hey, can you come help us, I think they'd be here. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just it's just a good experience for all, for all of us, really. Yeah. You touched on a little bit and wanted to dive a little bit deeper. You talked about you got out of the sheep and you talked about going the farm market route. What, what made you decide to make the move to the agritourism and... How did you start that process? Well, the agritourism, we kind of seen, uh, well, basically, you know, to start the whole thing, Bev, she's an educator. She was a teacher. She was a principal. She's retired. I had several different jobs. When we started the farm market, I just got laid off at uh, General Electric, and I always saw it because we had to farm, and we was farming on the side that when I retired that I wanted to do a farm market and it just that it happened a little sooner than what we what we really thought. 
when we first started, we had no idea about agritourism. It was more or less we wanted to raise produce and sell produce. But as you listen to people, okay, and they said, well, the first year they said, oh, you got to stay open. We was going to close at the end of October. And they said, oh, you got to stay open until Christmas, okay. So we're thinking like, okay, we got to stay open to Christmas. What are we going to do? Well, sell Christmas trees. So we got the Ohio Christmas Tree Association, got a list of growers, and we traveled around and looked at all the growers to decide who we wanted to buy our Ohio trees from. And when we did, you know, they thought, okay, well, now we got the trees. Now how do we get the people here? Well, Bev says, well, you know, we'll have a craft show. So we took just part of the barn because at that time we wasn't didn't have all these barns, and we rented out craft spaces and brought in all these crafters and had a Christmas open house and uh, we brought in a hundred trees. And I always said, if I could sell these trees, I'll sell them again next year. Well, we sold a hundred trees the first year. So from that on, then then it kind of grew. But then we kind of watched. As our market grew, other people was watching us, and we would do seminars on starting farm markets and whatever and all this and that, and, and more started to pop up in the area. Okay, so we thought, well, we're going to have to be different. We're going to have to offer something a little different, you know. And we expanded our craft area, okay. Every year we kept expanding, taking more barn space for crafts. We decided we're going to do the school tours because they people came, the teachers came to us and said, "What do you do for school kids?" You know, I had no idea. Well, what do you mean? What do we do for school kids? You know, well, can't you put on a, uh, some kind of a program? So, our first few years, I mean, it was pretty simple. I think uh, we had a straw maze and did a few things with the kids, give them a pumpkin and a treat and whatever, you know, and, and, and it seemed to grow then. Our son came into the picture. He wanted to be part of it. And, of course, young ideas, he come up with the newer things, and, and it just continued to grow. Uh, but as far as agritourism in a whole, we're always thinking of what can we do to attract people, you know. I mean, because, like, once school starts, you want to kind of – you don't want to forget, but, I mean, the produce end of it kind of dies. Mom and Dad ain't got time to cook, Okay. They're going to fast food, whatever. So you got to have another reason to bring them here. So that's we started, uh, you know, the school tours. We get the kids, we get the parents. They come back on the weekends, you know. So that part of it was good. How we do things through the well, the rest of the year is uh, Monday nights we have cruise-ins, you know, where we bring cars in, and there they get to shop the barns. They get to go to the ice cream and get a sandwich or whatever in the deli barn. Uh, we do fundraisers. We'll do a car show, you know, with money going to different organizations. Uh, we do a Jeep show, you know, twice a year, you know, that they raise money for cancer and kind of a benefit like that. Uh, we'll do tractor shows. I mean, we, we just try to bring something in that's going to attract people. And hope, you know, when we started the Sunday brunch buffet here in this big barn, you know, that was kind of good, too, because the people would feed over into the other market that they'd eat, and then they'd walk over, you know, and they kind of fed off of each other. But basically, we just try to think 
what people like, what their interests are, what they'd like to do, uh, because they, you know, their people want to get out. They want to see things. We put a new barn up last year. I call it my toy barn, but we got a lot of antiques in it, a lot of old tractors, a lot of old farm equipment, a lot of things that people can relate to. And that's turned out to be a bigger hit than what I really thought because initially it was just for me, you know, things that I like, things that was part of the family. and, and uh, Things that were tucked away in the barns so we couldn't yeah. even get at them to see them ourselves. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. It, it's been a good thing. But I think the agritourism thing, I think, probably is is going to be a way to go for agriculture. You know, I'm, I'm seeing more and more people get into the corn mazes, you know, the bonfires, the whatever. And it's just a, another way of bringing in extra income, you know. Uh, especially, you know, we don't have enough land to really support a lot of grain farming, you know, I mean, it's just, just not the way it's going to be, but this kind of works out good for us. The barn here we use for receptions. Bev's got booked pretty much the rest of this year and a lot into next year. We do a lot of weddings and, re and receptions, you know, and you don't think about it, but all you need is one wedding with 250, 300 people. You've got all these young people that hasn't been married yet. It comes in and they like what they see, so they, you know, they call back. You know, Bev gets well, like what, one, two, three calls a day, or on the Email internet, or calls. you know, wanting to, to to rent a barn or come see it or whatever. So that part of it's it has worked out well. When I moved this barn, uh, had no idea that it would turn out as good as it has. Yeah. It's the uh, funny thing about this is that when you ask how did you go seek out these things, a lot of times people seek us out, mm -hmm. like the Jeep Club comes to us or the antique farm machinery people came to us. And so if you're really listening to what people are saying to you, pick up a lot of leads of direction that you could go. This barn, we, well, the... The first barn that Tom moved was the ice cream barn where you first entered over there. And he, they took that down because a friend of Tom's dad had just passed away. It was his barn in Trenton. And they were going to bring a street through the property, so it was going to be torn down. Hmm. And uh, they decided to save it because it was this friend of Tom's dad. And so he learned uh, how to move a barn and a couple years later they called about this barn and asked us would we be interested in saving this barn so uh, and again and there was some history behind it, it was built in 1893 and hmm. my parents i know had been uh, part of a young people's uh, uh, dance. activity where they would go there yeah. for square dancing hmm. A lot of people, a lot of young people in the area knew this barn for that. Okay. So, uh, Dad was all in favor of saving the barn. And uh, we went down to look at it, and, uh, and what, the roof was bad, and the rest didn't look so bad. No, the roof really was, was, was good. The boards underneath it was, was rotted. I mean, it, it really was in good shape for as old as it was. You know, and the kicker was, uh, once we said, yeah, we'd be interested in taking it, 
was the developer guy gave us two weeks to get it down. So that was the challenge. Uh, I think I hired, there was like 10 people. You know, we had it down in a week and a half, you know, and had it here on the premises, which it laid outside for a year because where this is sitting right now, the barn, was our strawberry fields. Hmm. And I wanted to get the strawberry crop off before we started putting the barn up. And as soon as the strawberries was done, then we started, started putting the barn up. And again, at the time, we didn't know exactly what we were going to do with this barn. We tried retail sales and found out pretty quickly that that wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've come up with some new idea about what to do. About that time, where well, people have been asking us, why don't you do a restaurant? And uh, our son-in-law was ready to change jobs and... So we said, well, there is an idea if you want to be part of it about the, the restaurant. If we chose Sunday only, then we could rent out for other events um, because a restaurant business being very competitive, mm-hmm. it's hard to uh, pay off your bills sometimes with the restaurant work. So it's developed into you know, quite a satisfactory part of our business. So our other two barns are open seven days a week. This is a just more Sunday brunch mm-hmm. and uh, private parties. So. so when did you when did you make the what year did you make the move to start developing the agritourism component? Agritourism. Well I think Probably we started what ninety one with the business ninety two ninety two yeah, then ninety two okay because I know the first year is when uh, we start getting people wanting to come and, and do things so I'm going to say probably the following year was when we we did a few things because we did do a strawberry festival we had strawberries mm-hmm. and we did a strawberry festival um, I'm thinking at that time that's about the only thing we did except for Christmas and, and, and October and Halloween and that, you know, so that was, but yeah, would have been, would have been about right. Okay. But there again, it was the fact of, you know, listening to the people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what do you do to get them here? I mean, when we used to have the strawberry festival, we used to sell Sevago my strawberries. It was unreal. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a good thing. But, uh, we got out of the strawberry business because it was getting a little hard to, to manage strawberries. It's a crop that you you work at every day, every month, every whatever. And a lot of a lot of the thing with strawberries was weed control, you know. And, and it seemed like if you couldn't control weeds, that you really didn't have a good strawberry crop. And, and it was getting to where. Even though we was investing in other new equipment, new techniques, it was like, you know, it got to where that was a problem versus, you know, people got more conscientious about, I can go to Kroger's and get them for 99 cents or whatever. Even though it wasn't a fresh strawberry, we had to deal with that, you know. In time, we paid our kids to pick them. And, I mean, I couldn't compete with, you know, with the big chain stores. You know, and a lot, especially in our area, a lot of 
people is price conscious, you know. Quality a lot of times don't mean as much as price. And when we start getting a lot of that, then I decided it was time to, to let the strawberries go. But we still have people calling us even that it's been about five, six, seven years since we've had strawberries. It calls every year and wants to know if they can come pick strawberries <laughs> or, you know, whatever. So I mean, it, Another it, part of that problem, even years before we started this market, we had a you-pick strawberry crop business. So we were open for like one month out of the year with our you-pick business. And uh, what happened, too, when the strawberry business was falling back was that the U-Pick business was falling back. If we'd had that kind of demand, we wouldn't have had any problems probably. Well, the younger generation, you know, they don't have time. You know, they don't want to pick. You know, it's just like we offer pick beans. You know, you can pick your own beans. Well, they don't have time. You know, they want you to pick them. They want to come in. They want to get them, and they want to, they want to go, you know. And, you know, with the kids being in Sodego, many different things, I can see that, mm-hmm. you know. So it's, yeah. So when you, when you started the business, you, you've mentioned this a few times. What, in terms of infrastructure, what did you have? in terms of barns, equipment, and then how have you added added infrastructure over time? Well, when we, we first started, uh, you know, I had this idea that where the barn and bunk comes in, you know, a lot of people think it's a bed and breakfast, and we still have people ask that. Well, the bunk part, okay, was out there where we have a, a roof over part of our old feed bunk, that used to be for the dairy cows, in other words, the silos and the trough, you know, we'd put the silage down there and the cows would stand out there and eat. So that's the bunk part. The barn, we just took one small portion of the barn in the back, okay, and that's all we had when we first started and we called it the barn and bunk, you know. Uh, and I remember at the time uh, when we was, we was, I was trading equipment so we got rid of our animals. So I was getting rid of the baler. I was getting rid of the wagons. I was getting rid of all that, all that equipment to buy other equipment to pertain to what we were going to do. And I'm thinking I had like two tractors and whatever. And, and uh, we went on a seminar and visited other farm markets. And I remember sitting on a motor coach bus with a guy. I said, how many tractors you got? I said, I got two. He said, you don't have enough. <laughs> You know, and I kind of laughed at him. I thought, what's he talking about? Well, now I, I understand, you know, as time progressed, i seen what he was getting at. You know, now we probably have six tractors that we keep with a piece of equipment on all year, you know. And the reason for that was the fact that we could get off of one tractor that we was working ground with, get on another one and plant and spray and whatever, and I didn't have to take the time to change equipment because it, it, it took a lot of time to take something off, put something else on, get it calibrated to where it was. And once you get something set up, it was just easier just going from one tractor to the next. And as, you know, we got more into it, we started raising more crops. We added more equipment. We added more. The craft thing I said about earlier was 
when we seen that first year how much money we did on crafts, which inspired us to take, hey, let's take more of the barn and put more crafts in, which we did. And then the next year we added more crafts. And then the next year we, you know, we added more. Uh, then, of course, when we started moving barns, we pretty much went to capacity on the main barn over there was when we moved the other barn, and when we first put it up, we had no idea what we were going to do with that one. I think we had a wedding and had a few parties in it. Or, yeah, we had it, a you know, craft show once. Yeah, for about the first year or so, and then we decided, well, you know, we put an ice cream shop in there. You know, we thought that was that would work. And then from the ice cream, we went with the deli. He added the deli and then candy and then more crafts and... and uh, and just kept expanding that way. As, as we listened to what people said that they they would like to have, you need to do this, you need to do that, you know. And if one person said it, I never thought much about it. But if I heard two or three people say the same thing, I'm thinking like, well, maybe we need to look into this, you know. And we went kind of slow. We added, you know. Uh, Bev, with her background, I mean, was pretty much right on, you know, saying we need to do it this way or that way or whatever, you know, and and I guess that's why we lasted 50 years, because I listened to them. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is good. <laughs> you know. This is recorded, so. I know, I, you know, I need a copy of it. <laughs> nope, that's no problem. <laughs> you know, so anyway, it it's, yeah, and it, it progressed that way, and then, you know, like we added this barn, and, and like you say, my theory is, as you said earlier, you know, where we always seem like we add something. Well, I noticed when we closed the first year, the second year, the third year, and everybody said, well, what are you going to do for next year? What's new? What's new? You know, and that tells me, hey, they're looking for us to make changes, for us to do things. And, and that brings people back because they come back to see what what you've added or what you've done different or, or whatever. So we do, we try to make something, you know, a little different every year. Either add something or, or change something or, or whatever, you know. Because it keeps the interest of the people and it keeps them coming back. And a lot of times maybe we add new products and or else, you know, we add something else. So it's it, it's interesting that way, keeping on top. And, and, and we know that that we have competition out there and we know that they're watching us and we know that they're trying probably to, I don't know, say do what we're doing and try to keep up with us, you know. So that keeps us on our toes where we have to continuously come up with new ideas mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Tom's new barn that was speaking of and putting the old equipment in and making displays and it was, um, I imagine our next move regarding that would be to advertise that to the motor coach people. We, we not only have school tours, but we do have motor coach tours that mm-hmm. uh, call us. We have one coming in from Minnesota in October, and I said, how did you find out about us? You're in Minnesota. <laughs> well, the website, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just, and uh, So that's another offering, and that uh, we could say we have something special here, something else that they could see when they come here. Mm-hmm. And so I think it'll develop into something really good for us and profitable maybe as well. 
So for someone that's got an interest in potentially going down this business route, I can't imagine, I'm sure there are, but I can't imagine two industries that have more regulations to deal with than agriculture and food. How did you learn to navigate through that? Well, you know, agriculture, you know, now I will say this, and I was surprised because we made a tour here, what, two months ago, we went up to the farm up in Marysville. You know, and, I, and I'm listening to the young man up there that's got a market, and he's telling about some of the problems that he's having. And I couldn't believe that he didn't look into possibly more regulations when he started. Because what we did here before we ever opened a business, we had a, a variance. We went out and got a variance, in other words, what that is, is you go around and all, it involves all your neighbors, anybody that's adjoining the property owners, and you have to get permission to do what you're doing, which he didn't. Mm -hmm. So we had permission to do and to sell what we're doing here, okay, which to me is step number one, mm -hmm. okay. And I still remember when we was going through the regulations and they offered me the sheet that says go ahead and check everything that you want to do, okay, so we can approve you. Well, I go down through the list, and I mean, it must have had 300 things on there. And so when I get done, you know, they said, well, did you check off? And I said, well, I said, you can check off everything, but one thing, I'm not going to make dresses. <laughs> I said, everything else I want to do, you know, which I didn't, but, but you know, and they, okay, you know, they was okay with that. So, you know, that got that started, the agricultural part of it. You know, yeah, we're inspected. We have to keep records of sprays, you know, stuff like that. And, and here again, if you've got your records, they come in, and all they want to do is look at it to make sure that how much you used that day, was the wind blowing, if so, how much, what percent of this versus that did you use and whatever, and what was the condition. And they kind of, they look at that and, and they inspect our coolers and how we're, you know, displaying stuff. And I look at things like that, you know, and I really never get upset. And, you know, a guy asked me one day, he says, why don't you get upset? Most places I go to, they get real on the defense and whatever, you know. And I said, well, I said, you know, I said, I, I have to pay you guys. I said, you're coming in here, and I says, if I'm doing something wrong, I need to know, and I want to know. So I said, I think you're here to save my butt, you know, because I said, if I'm doing something that I'm not supposed to be or something wrong or whatever, I said, I'll correct it. And that's the same way with our health department. I mean, they come in, and, and uh, you know, I could get upset, like, you know, why are you here and all that? But, I mean, they're here to protect us. If I'm doing something wrong, somebody gets sick or something like that, then, you know, it's me that's gone and my name it's in the paper. And I don't want that. You know, and, it, and most of the time, I don't think we've ever been written up for anything any time. But, I mean, they'll make some suggestions, you know, and they're like, you should do this or you should do that. And most of the time, before they leave or within the next day, I've, I've taken care of it, you know. And because one inspector says, I don't have to worry about coming back because I know you'll, you'll do what you know, because you always do. Well, that's the way we are. But as far as, you know, uh, 
I think the thing that's going to probably worry me maybe more than anything is water. You know, what's going to come down on the water because we do have an irrigation well. And we do, or we can irrigate the whole farm. You know, is what water rights we're going to have, you know, coming down the road. And we have, we sit over the aquifer, so we got plenty of water. But we've also got Mellow Brewery, and we've got Southwestern High Water, and we're all drawing out of the same, the same source, you know. So, what that'll get to is if there's ever a problem, whether we get regulated that we can only use so much or whatever, I don't know. But uh, you know, that's something that I think about. The last two years, we haven't had the water, so that's good because we've had enough rainfall that you know that everything worked well. But it is there if we need it. Uh, the CAUV laws are changing those, and I think that's going to affect everybody in, in agriculture on that, where the value is going to change and everybody's going to have to pay more. And, and that's probably just because we need more money to do whatever, you know. I mean, not us, but the government, you mm -hmm. know. So, I mean, that's, and I don't know how that's going to go. I don't know, Bev, you think. <laughs> <clears throat> I kind of like when the health department comes and they start talking about the food thing because she knows more than she knows more than they do. You Not know. really, but my background is home ec, and so you know I have a background of, of knowledge of food in general. So I'm able to talk with them at least and say try to understand why they're getting mm -hmm. that. But you're right; we've rarely been written up and. If, if there is a concern, we try to take care of it immediately. But I don't think I don't think really the right has never never been anything really. No, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's just that they got it. Like the one guy told me one day when he came, he said, "I'm going to write write something down." He said because they got on me because every time I come here, I don't have anything, and they think I just stop and I leave. You know, and he said so. What I'm going to write down here, she said, don't worry about it, because I said, you know, but i got to write something. So, I mean, that's, that was fine. <laughs> so, you've, you've developed a, a wide range of products. Just walking through your market, you've got a great selection. Who do you like to partner with to, to fill up your stores? Well, I know how, how I am, and I think Bev's the same way. When I look for a product, you know, and I, and I will say this, everything that we have in the store that you see over there, we've sampled, okay? And I like to partner with people that will certify to me that they will not go within a half hour of a competitor. In other words, the way I look at it, if you can go down here at Kroger's and get what I've got, there's no reason for them to come mm -hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Or if you can go, you know, and, and they got the same thing. I'm not unique. You know, we try to carry things that maybe that grocery stores or whatever don't have. We go for quality. A lot of the stuff that we get comes from Holmes County, from Amish country. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, jams and jellies and stuff like that. We've searched a long time before we come up with our supplier on that. I served on... Uh, board of Farm Markets of Ohio for several years, so I got to learn a lot of the the vendors that's out there, mm -hmm. you know. And we, 
like to partner up with, with people like that, people that we can trust that they call and says, I'm going to do this, and, and they do it because there's some that may promise you everything and then don't, you know. And Bev, I mean, we do a lot of crafts that she brings in, and she looks for special stuff. You know, I mean, she goes out and she looks for things that I think, and you can answer this, honey, better than I but that pertains more to farm markets and, and whatever, maybe, than... Well, yeah, you, you like to partner with people that are close. Like, we have some uh, products from a company in Waynesville that mm -hmm. we just partnered with only a year ago, and they've become popular. And uh, so that's another thing. The crafts, um, you're mostly dealing with local people. But uh, we like to take things that, that might look like they belong more in a farm setting. Or I also like to make sure to protect people from each other. And I am careful if I'm buying some things to bring into the market not to st step on their territory, you know, mm -hmm. to, to keep a diversity out there of, of uh, products so that, so that everybody can hopefully sell here mm -hmm. um, candles are always wonderful so uh, you know we do a lot of candles just we we buy some products like candles and other uh, decorations that people love to buy to, you know uh, and what I buy is a country look mm -hmm. that's what you know we have a theme about us it's country mm -hmm. so they know they can come here and find all kind of things that Maybe they're not going to find in just uh, Walmart or other stores and malls. But what Beth says is, is true as far as we try, you know, uh, Ohio Proud, we try to do as much as we can with the people in Ohio, mm -hmm. you know, because, uh, like I say, Ohio is local people, that's us, you know. We, a lot of our, a lot of our growers and, and whatever that stuff that we don't raise, you know, we try to get from Ohio people, you know, yeah. people that we know that has the same standards as far as quality as we do, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what I think is hard to find. New item we developed this year is an Ohio Proud gift basket, and we have two different sizes, and we're just starting to, uh, well, we have it on our website and. Uh, hoping to promote that this fall and winter when the gift basket market's really, mm -hmm. really big. But everything in the basket has to be made here in Ohio. Mm -hmm. uh, we do have one exception. <laughs> we have an Ohio State, a big chip clip, you know, just for the Ohio State factor, which was not actually made in Ohio. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, still needed that Ohio State. To be part of our basket. So. You know, on your website, one partner that you've had recently that I'd like you free to tell the audience about, Eric Munn. Oh, Eric. With your mural. Oh, on the silo. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, Eric, uh, we've seen him painting a picture on the firehouse. And I had never decided what to do with the silos. 
everybody always kept telling me you need to tear them down and you need to tear them down, but that's part of the farm. It was on our original logo, the little silos and the barns and the whatever. So one day I stopped and I asked him, I said, would you be interested in painting a mural on my silos? He said, I've never done silos. And I said, well, I said, I can understand. I said, that if, you know, just come and look at them and see, see what you think, you know. So he did, he stopped and he looked at him and he says, well, he said, I can paint anything. He said, I just don't know, you know, what to put on them. And I said, well, all I can do is give you ideas, mm -hmm. you know, and I said, then the rest is up to you. And we did, we added, like we added the barn later and we added the sheep later because that relates to the farm. I wanted to put something on the silos that related to the farm. Okay, on the on the silo to the east, the first one that's not peeling, okay, he put pumpkins on both, you know, on the, on the silos because we raise a lot of pumpkins. Mm -hmm. Okay, that one was, you know, uh, he's got a red barn over there. He's got sheep in the background. He's got a red M tractor, which when I was going with Bev and worked for her dad, I drove an M tractor. Mm -hmm. Okay, the other silo over here, okay, course he's got pumpkins but he has a cornfield you know and he's got an Oliver tractor which was Oliver 77 which was the first new tractor that my dad ever bought hmm. so that was the reasons for that and then the rest of it was done in the sky and he put put the sun in and, and, and whatever and it's kind of neat because where he put the sun is every I don't know, every day there's a certain point where the sun hits that silo right there in that same spot. I mean, and it just looks, you know, now the problem that we have is one of them is still perfect and one of them's peeling and we haven't figured that out. He has come back, he's looked at it, he's going to redo it for us, you know, and he's going to try some, some different things, you know. And we'll probably put it, I know, well, I know we will, we'll put it back the same way that it is, you know, mm -hmm. because. Now that's out there, and a lot of people's using that. I think Butler County, Butler County visitors is using those silos. There, hmm. uh, their brochures last year and this year, I think. Uh, but once we first, when we first got them done, uh, I mean, we had people just come down the road and just stop and just take pictures of them, mm -hmm. you know, and. It's kind of added to the business, you know, we kind of landscape a little bit out front, you know, and it, it makes that whole area special except for, for now with the one silo peeling like it is, mm -hmm. but the other one still looks good, you know, and he's in Texas, he's going to go from Texas to Florida and then back up here and then he's going to do that, but he goes all over the, hmm. all over the world painting murals, yeah. water towers, whatever, I mean. Buildings, Franklin. He's done a bunch of them up in Franklin. I don't know if you've been up there or not. Okay. But I mean, he's got some up there that it's, it's unreal, you know. Plus, well, Middletown, he's got several. Hmm. But uh, yeah, it's it's been a quite a, I think, a good thing for us. I just hate it the it fact that quite an investment, but it's unquestionable that it's been good for the business. People just they've just taken by them. Hmm. Talk about them. It until the one started peeling. I mean, that was the.
big thing for when we had our wedding receptions to get the bride and groom would go over there the whole party would go over there and get their pictures taken you know now they go over there not as much but they stand more in front of the one than they do the other mm-hmm. because it ain't looking bad but hopefully that'll happen this year I don't know you know getting closer to fall whether it will or not I don't know Something that I read on your website and I've heard people talk about is as a local business, you, you invest heavily back into the community through various things. What, where did you get that philosophy from? Well, when you go on seminars, if anybody's talking about business in general, they really, really emphasize that to you. And, uh, at first, you know, when you're a small business, just trying to make ends meet, you think, oh, yeah, I'm sure. But as you go through some years in a business, you realize they're right. Because if you can help people out in the community, they remember they come back to you and, and support you. And, and like a lot of these events we have here, like Tom said, they're a benefit for cancer or uh, community pancake breakfast, you know, goes back to the Lions Club and and the Lions Club supports the schools and the community. Or we have a pie bake off for the last Saturday of our fall festival season. We had a call about that today. And, um, you know, they bring in ladies bake these pies. Judges uh, consider for first or second place prizes, and then they auction them off, and all that money goes back to the food pantry for the community. And Everybody's having a good time, but and a lot of people get involved in that. But if you weren't, you know, doing that for a charity, for supporting your community, I don't think it would be so much fun and so mm-hmm. well supported. And, and people remember, and they'll all be back. Mm-hmm. You know, Tom, what you... Well, we, you know, I, I believe that you have to give to the community. I mean... We're kind of seen, I think, in the community as a good thing. I know we hear a lot of people say, well, you know, we're in Trenton, Ohio, and they'll say, well, where's that? Well, you hear, well, if they say Barn and Buck, they'll say, oh, I know where that's at, you know, that they, so I went in city council one day and told them they ought to change the name to Barn and Buckville, you know, you know, everybody knows where that's at, but that didn't go over. But, I mean, that's like, you know, we do, you know, like the Christmas in Trenton thing is a big thing. And pretty much that's, all that's free, you know. We have some businesses in town that, that feels like, you know, shouldn't be. But I mean, you know, these people support us all year. The least we can do is give them free this and free that and, mm-hmm. and offer them stuff, you know, to do for the kids and, and whatever. I mean, that's, you know, that's just saying thank you at the end of the year. You know, and that's that's basically what that is. Uh, we used to do everything used to be here on a Friday night, and we did that for several years. And and everybody thought that we was doing it to make money, and we never made money. We probably lost money between the money that we spent plus what was stolen and all that. Because there's a lot of people that shows up for that. You know, that I said, we want to do it in the daytime. We want to get the whole town involved in it. 
you know, just because of that, because, you know, it was the wrong impression. I didn't want people thinking I'm doing it just for, you know, money, because, like I said, we wasn't. We wasn't making money. I mean, we was hiring people ourselves to get stuff done, you know, that volunteers didn't show up for. So, and this has worked out well, because now all the businesses kind of work together. And they see that, hey, we all can benefit, you know, we're not, We've got maybe one or two in there that's upset because people don't come in and spend a lot of money. Well, it's not for that. You know, it's it's to come in and say, hey, thanks for supporting us, you know, through the season, and and here's what we've got for you, and get your picture taken with Santa. It's not going to cost you nothing, and, you know, and just stuff like that. But, I mean, you know, you can only make so much money, right? I mean, hell, he ain't going to take it with you. <laughs> You've talked a lot about your staff and how how that's grown over time. How many staff do you have right now? Or is it very seasonal? It's seasonal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, through bean picking time, uh, well, we keep, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, about six, seven regular people. Okay, and then there's, three, there's four of us that are usually working full time, plus another six or so that are part time throughout the whole season. That's what you're referring yeah. to. Yeah, and then uh, through picking season, we may have 15, 20, 25 kids. Okay, at different times, you know, because kids nowadays, even though mom wants them to work. They've got other things going on, too. So we may have one kid two times this week. You know, next week, he, maybe he'll be here three times. And we give we, we don't say, hey, we, we hire you. you got to be here every day. got to be here from here to here. We just say, you tell us when you can work. This is the hours. You know, you come in. We had kids at 6 o'clock out here picking beans, which surprised me. You know, we're pulling corn. They're picking beans. You know, and... That's the reason that we use a lot of kids. Now, through the fall, we'll probably have on our weekend, we'll probably have 30, 35, 40 kids About working every weekend, you know. Every day to cover all the activities that have to be. And we like to start with those kids that showed up 6 and 7 in the morning sure. and worked. It was amazing. I was just uh, totaling up some of the totals of uh, beans that were picked through the last month. Need to ask Brian who this one kid was. In three days, he picked over a hundred pounds of beans. Hmm. Gee, I didn't know he was only here three days. I didn't learn to know who he was. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if they work hard, they get a lot done. Yeah. We used to. It's kind of funny because I used to pay by the hour. I lose my butt. <laughs> you know, especially on bean picking because you know with cell phones and whatever. You know, so. We switched it and we pay by the pound. Well, now they see, well, the more I pick, the more I make. You know, so that works out better. You mm-hmm. know, better for them, it works out better for us. You know, where, and we kind of learned that on strawberries when we'd have to go out and either cut blooms off or, or pull weeds. You know, it'd take forever. So I thought, well, I'm going to pay you by the row. <laughs> <laughs> you get so much a row, you know, rather than my. And then it was a challenge to how many rows I can get done before he does, you know, and that worked out better. But, you know, you just kind of have to learn how to how to motivate him, I guess. You know, so it's, 
been interesting. I get a little more upset with, you know, with kids, and that's the reason Brian handled and Bev being educators and, and working with kids are a little more patient than I am, you know, so I try to stay out of, of that, you know, unless they need me and then, you know, but, uh, but I do tell them if they do a good job or whatever, I'll, I'll, you know, just wow. don't let me catch you throwing strawberries. <laughs> Along those lines too, we're really privileged that, um, to this point, Every one of our grandchildren has been involved in hmm. working here in some capacity. And they're usually starting yeah. in the fields, picking them. This summer, our youngest grandson started pulling corn with his dad and grandpa in the morning. So he was out there at 6 in the morning, I guess. And hmm. yeah, he <laughs> they were laughing because he was so into how many insects might be in a row of corn along with the ears of corn that he was supposed to be pulling. But he's going into eighth grade. Hmm. And, uh, so we feel, we feel really privileged that they've been able to be involved. And, you know, it's, it's such a good way that we can contribute to their bank account for future education or mm -hmm. car or whatever they're going to save their money for. And, Yet they have earned it. It's not like, you know, we've just had to open up the wallet. But uh, they've learned a lot. And uh, still come back to us. A lot of them do. Even Kendra. Our oldest is out in Indiana teaching now. Hmm. But she's here occasionally. What are the expectations you lay out for your staff in terms of how you want them to represent you? What are you looking for? Well, it depends on, on where they're at, but basically it's pretty much the same. In other words, I always want to see a smile on their face. I always want to see them greeting people. I want them to thank them. You know, I want them to be as nice as they can be because I feel like that's where our business is either won or lost. We had a, a young girl in training here a couple weeks ago that, you know, she was smart, everything was going good, but she wasn't talking. She wasn't saying, hi, how are you today? She wasn't saying, thank you, you know, have a good day, you know, stop back, whatever, you know. And, of course, that's when, you know, we have a talk. You're like, that's not what I expect. I expect to see a smile. I accept, you You know, expect when they walk in and say, hey, how you doing? Or, hi, how are you? You know, something like that. You know, I want, I, you know, I want the people to feel like they're wanted, that we want them back, you know, and we're glad that they were here. And, you know, I see so many, and I don't want to see... Earrings, I don't want to see piercings, I don't want to see any of that, you know, I mean, I, that, that, I know when I go someplace and somebody comes up and they got a ring in their nose or they got, you know, you know, if you want to do that when you leave, fine, but not when you're working for me or whatever, you know, and this one place, I've that one time, this lady, the young kid couldn't talk because they had a ring in their tongue, hmm. you know, and I've had really like that, you know, I'm old, can't hear right, I had no idea what they were saying. You know, so I, 
I said, damn, I said, you ever get spaghetti wrapped around that when you eat, you know, like that? What are you talking, you know? <laughs> no, you know, like that. But anyway, you know, that's that's what we really, we inspect it to people to, you know, to be yourself, you know. And I will say this, a lot of the young kids that come in, you know, they're shy, you know. But, I mean, after a few days of saying, you know, this to them and them seeing and they're thinking like, wow, this ain't bad, you know. So, I mean, and they really get good at it, you know. They say things that I wouldn't think, you know, that a young kid would say. And and uh, the older people get a kick out of it, you know. Something like, this is good. This is good. So, yeah. And and same with our with our older people, you know. Expect the same thing. Some of them talk too much, but, you know, women, how do you get them to <laughs> That's also recorded. Well, yeah. Talking in support of Barnum Beck, we can be tolerant of that. <laughs> sure, sure. Comments we often hear are that uh, people are really friendly and helpful at Barnum Beck. Just like family, they think a lot of times that half the people here are our family, which is not true, but they think we seem like family, friendly. And the other comment we hear a lot is, how do you keep this place so clean? Well, as we explain we work at that every day <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's good that they think they're coming into a clean environment it's in the barn and it's open air it's that's a lot of work mm-hmm. well i'd say it's not really immaculate sometimes but we try yeah. it's an everyday work at it tell them that it's, there's no big secret here mm-hmm. it's just you have to keep working at that sure sure what question for each of you what's your favorite part of the business what, what drives you to keep going with it well I guess what drives me you know the fact that I like coming here. I like the people, I, you know, and, and the fact that I get to be with, with, with Bev every day, I mean, you know, that, that means a lot to me. Because before, you know, and she's working away and I'm working away, you just see her at night and hopefully you get all your bases covered and, and this way we can talk all day and eat lunch together and, and whatever. But I, in Bev, this is what, I, I've always got all these ideas. I'm always thinking of something, you know, and it's always a challenge, you know, like, you know, we can do this, we can do that. I need to do this. I need to do that, you know. And she says, you move another barn and you'll live in it, you know, like that. So, <laughs> so that stops that, you know. But, I mean, it's just, I guess it's just the, the challenge of coming up with something new, doing something different, you know, and, and, I like to kid people, you know, I mean, our, our people that work for us, I mean, they never know, you know, we'll give them something to do and then I'll come up and I'll say, well, did you count that? Well, no, was I supposed to? And I, no, I just thought I'd ask, you know, <laughs> but just kind of messing with them all the time, you know, whatever. And I, and I mess with Beth, she knows that, that's just, that's just me, you know, but I mean, it's, yeah. But, I, you know, and I, like I said, when it, I guess when it, it gets to where it's not fun anymore, 
you know I mean right now I mean it's it's still fun and probably if I was listening to my dad he'd tell me that I should retire you know we both we just turned 70 so I'm I'm thinking, well, maybe we should take it easier. I don't know, you know, but uh, I don't feel that. So it's, to me, it's still fun. I don't know about Bev. She probably yeah, stuff that, and people love that about Tom. Teasing, and he's got a nickname for him, or you know, he'll uh, pull a joke. Uh, uh, he was doing that when his dad was still with him. He and Brian they had a great time. So. You know, this is last week, you know, I said we celebrated our 50th anniversary. Mm -hmm. We had an open house. And everybody that came through that door, I'm going to say not everybody, probably 98% of the people that come through that door. 50%. No, no more than that. <laughs> told Bev, you have our sympathy. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, what's this all about, you know? How could you put up with that, you know? For, but, well, I've been nominated for sainthood. Yeah. <laughs> Got a pile of sympathy cards over there. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. We had a great time. My favorite part of the business is probably just um, relationships with the business partners that we have. I think of my business partners as my crafters. They're in and out. They do wonderful work. They price their things to sell and never consider their time and labor that they put into what they're selling. And plus, the ladies that work with us, some of them have been with us for several years, and others, as their life changes, you know, they may have need, or maybe they're moving. One of the ladies that we loved last year, she and her husband moved back to Cincinnati, and and yet she's told us that when the fall festival season starts that she'll come back from Cincinnati to work those festivals if we need her. And, uh, and her grandchildren will be working here. And so it's just, uh, we've met a lot of special new friends through this business. And I think about just because we just had that open house, you know, people were here that were we were friends with when we were first married, and then a lot of people that were that we met through the business, and, and the business has now been 22 years. So, I guess you would have to 22 years. You would have a lot of new friends that, mm -hmm. and I think of them as business partners, even though you know they might they might just be doing deli clerk work, but. You know, they, they're dealing with public, like Tom said. They they need to be our business partners. Mm -hmm. I think they enjoy, they they do enjoy working here, and they'll tell us that. And, and, uh, if they don't, I suppose they're not working here any longer, and not, not that much to hold them here. But, uh, yeah. And the fact that we have been able to involve our family these 20 years you know, all of our kids Brian's the only one who works full time with us but um, our daughter Kelly and her husband are the major players for the buffet mm -hmm. and our uh, our wedding and reception buffets 
and then Craig, our other son, he he's an electrician, so when we have something down, we're often involving Craig, and, and he's here every fall festival weekend just because he wants to be and doing whatever needs to get done. So, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just pretty rewarding to see your family being involved like that because they want to be. It's mm-hmm. great. It's great. Gosh, it's <laughs> you're the idea guy. So I'm curious to see your answer to this. What's next for Barn and Bunk? You know, that's a good question. Probably, you know, the new barn that I put out out here, I want to go in and I want to personalize it a little better. I want to build in there a a shop that looks like I've got the old tools that looks like Grandpa's shop, you know, Mm -hmm. how I used to be in there with him. I want to set up an area like an old gas station because Bev's dad, you know, ran a gas station, just stuff that relates to the family, how it originated and where it it went to and where it's at right now. Just things like that. To say that something else don't pop up, it might. I had a fellow that came here, well, did an article on us when I first opened up the business from the Middletown Journal, and I probably shouldn't say that. But he says, you know, buddy, he said, in five years, you'll probably be out of business. But I said, well, I said, I don't know that. He said, well, new businesses, that's about all they last if they last that long. He said, uh, what's your goal? You know, I thought, what a, you know. <laughs> and I said, well, buddy, I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. At that time, we stand over there, and I mean, I had some greenhouses here, and what it looked nothing like this. I said, I'm going to go over there, and I said, I'm going to put me up an old barn. And I said, I'm going to take them damn things all the way to 73. I'm going to put me a bed and breakfast out on the corner. I'm going to have a cobblestone street, and I'm going to do buggy rides up through all this. And he laughed at me, you know, I did too after he left. I thought, well, I got rid of him. <laughs> well, a few years ago, he come back. And he said, do you remember me? And I said, no, sir, I don't. He said, well, I did an article on you. He said, when you first opened your business. And he says, it looks like you got a good start. I said, a good start on what? He said, well, you told me you was going to put barns all the way to 73. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, Judy, he said, you're you're really doing it. And I said, oh, I said, yeah. I said, I really am, you know. He thought you were doing that for him. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) But, I mean, you know, it's, and here again, I mean, you know, that's what I'm thinking of now. That's where I'm thinking I'd like to put my time, but. I don't know. I, you know, there's there's a log cabin that's the old toll house here in Trenton hmm. that they want tore down, and that's history. You know, they've already told me that if, if I want it, I can have it. Hmm. I know where I'd put it. I know how I'd, I'd set it up. I, I, I know all this. It's just the fact of getting everything worked out, to, you know. But, I mean, I think it would fit in with with kind of the history, and I, I think I could present it in a way that people would like to go through it. I mean, that's in the back of my mind. 
my girlfriend there, she's looking at me kind of like, don't even think about it. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <clears throat> but I'm thinking that, you know, yeah, that's there. I mean, nobody wants it. Everybody's written it off. But once I go and say, hey, I'm ready, you know, like that, now all of a sudden, Somebody says, "Oh, he wants it now." It's got to be a good idea. So, you, you know, you, you got to <laughs> give me give me some some money. You know, and I'm thinking like, I'll, I'll wait. But yeah, that's maybe a couple things. You know, and and then of course, you know, now Beth's sitting there and she's not saying anything. But she she'll come up with some ideas that I think we need to do this or we need to do that. Maybe not as big. Okay, but yeah, she challenges me. Yeah, but it's good. Well, and Tom comes up with a, a great idea, which he has a lot of great ideas. I think it's Brian and I that start working out the details of how that would take effect. Hmm. You know, but it maybe it takes both. Okay, give us a great idea, but you gotta know the details of the devils are in the details, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. <laughs> how does that work? I'm not a, a, what do you say it? Pull the heart. Um, um, you are a part to whole learner. Yeah. And I am a whole to part learner. <laughs> I was teasing. I mean, one class I was taking, they were talking about this. And all of a sudden, this light bulb went on in my head. I'm like, that's the problem when Tom and I get into one of those. <laughs> it's because he's this totally opposite learn uh, learner mm -hmm. from what I am. Mm -hmm. I want to see the big picture and then we'll detail it down mm -hmm. and he's just going to start somewhere and he'll just <laughs> he doesn't care where it's going sometimes <laughs> but anyway we laugh but it works out yeah, it works out you know it'll out. come to me i mean you know i might start doing something and, and uh, i'll stop because i'm thinking like that's not that's not how how i thought it would be or whatever and i'll walk by it for maybe two or three days and all the time I walk by it, I look at it, and, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, think, hey, this is what I need to do, you know. And, it, and over the years, not everything we've tried has been a success. And sometimes you just say, hey, you know, we're not going to, we're going to go another direction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, don't let it bother us or shut us down. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just think again. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a neat thing about, you know. I guess having your own business, if something don't work or you don't like it, I mean, you can change it right now mm -hmm. versus, you know, having to go through the chain. Well, I got to say, hey, you know, then you got to present, well, we need to do this instead of that or whatever and get somebody's approval. No, you just say, that's it, you know, and do something else. I'm sure, I'm sure answers vary and it could be generational depending on the responses, but there's a sense when you when you come here, you're getting a unique experience. If you could put your finger on it, what when people come to visit your farm, what are they what are they getting? Well I think and I think this all along that when people come here, you know, I'm thinking that they're looking for and, I, and maybe this is, they're looking for me or they're looking for Bev because if if I don't see somebody when they're here the next time I'm here and they come in and say, well, where have you been? You know, you 
slacking, not doing anything <laughs> or whatever, you know, like that. Because, like, you know, like Bev says, I mean, you know, when somebody comes in, I'm going to say something to them. They got a Cincinnati Reds hat on, you know, of course I'll say something about, you know, how can you wear that, you know, or, <laughs> or something like that. And I may not even know, but before they leave, I do. You know, and it's just, it, I don't know, I, I, I think that a lot of them, when they leave, they got a smile on their face. If they don't, I'll say, oh, you're having a bad day. And sometimes I'll say, well, yes, I am, you know, like that. And I said, well, I said, you come to the right place. I said, here, we have fun, you know, like that. And, you know, and you get talking to them and, and they'll come on or, you know, or just something. And, I mean, it's it's just, I know a lot of the young kids that, that works here, you know, they'll, they'll say, do you know everybody? And I'll say, no, I don't know half of these people. <laughs> but they, But I don't want them to know that, you know. So I'm thinking I want them to leave here with an experience that, Hey, you know, that was a fun place. You know, we'll go back there. Maybe that old man will be back there and talk to me again or something. I don't know. You know, and this is the funny thing. We do the school tours. And I introduce everybody that's got a part in the tour. And I'll always say, this is Beth. I said, this is my girlfriend. You know, like that. And these teachers and the kids will look at me like, oh, man, you got a girlfriend, you know, like that. <laughs> And I'll say, hey, I said, guys, I said, she's been my girlfriend for, you know, 45 years or 46 years or whatever like that. Well, as soon as you say that, well, all of a sudden, man, everything's cool. You know, <laughs> it, it, everything's all right, you know. But, I mean, it's that initial shock, you know, especially some of these mothers. I mean, they look at me like, you know, like that. Yeah, where are you going? What are you say in front of my kid? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, but I mean, that's what I think. And I mean, I might be all wrong, but that's what I like to think anyway. Another thing I would add to that is that, and you say this a lot, Tom, it's this coming here is often a step back in time because mm -hmm. we have so many things around. We try to take <clears throat> old pieces of furniture or kitchen cabinet or old wash tub and make it into a display piece so that everything here is something special from that time mm -hmm. removed. They can look up on the walls and see uh, like the old wagon in the ice cream bar that was built here in Trenton. Um, bicycles on the wall that were my little tricycle when I was growing up. or The sleds, they're the ones we used. My dad's milkers are up there. So it's in every barn they go into, they're seeing things that, that maybe they don't even know what they are. Mm -hmm. Like Tom was saying, they come in here and we have these chicken crates around the lights fixtures. And a lot of people don't know what chicken crates are. Mm. What did you say they call them? Well, they wouldn't know if we play ball in here. And I'll say, well, no. You know, say, well, we just want it because we got these cages around the lights. Thinking that, the, you know, we're thinking the ball's going to go up there and hit the lights. So mm -hmm. we got cages around them. But it's interesting. Someone running, someone looking to start, run their own business. What, what advice would you give them? 
Well, I would say we we were successful, I think. We didn't have much money at all. So we thought about what we had that we could make the business, make part of the business. A friend had told you to put your produce outside. Do you remember him saying that? You will be successful with that if you t put it outside. So like Tom said, we had the bunk for the silage to feed the cattle, so we made that into our outside display for produce. We took, um, actually it was our old lambing pens, and built those into display for our jams and jellies. And we, we started reasonable, and we didn't go out and borrow tons of money. And, and then we built from what we had. I think I would advise people not to. We've seen people come here say, I'm going to be exactly what you are, go out and spend thousands, who knows how much money, mm -hmm. and uh, they may be out of business in the five years. It wasn't about that much money that made their business go or not. What would you say, Tom? Well, you know, I was always, they always said that, you know, uh, you got to have a lot of money to make money, or it takes a lot of money to make money, and, and I'm thinking like, and I've seen this with some of our friends that's tried their own business, that you have got to put like, when you say you come here every year and you see maybe something different or something's changed, I think that Instead of saying, hey, we made $5,000, let's go somewhere, let's go do this, let's go do that. I think you need to take that money, and I think you need to put it back into the business. I, th I think you have always got to, to change, to upgrade. In other words, put money in, you know, uh, to make it better to make it more interesting, to make it whatever. Not to say that, you know, hey, last year we made $10,000, let's go blow it, you know. You take some of that money and you put it back into the business somehow. You know, or I'll tell you the way this year's been. Uh, for us, I mean, the time that you really think that you're making money, or you're doing good, something breaks, something goes down, We've had to replace three compressors on coolers plus one cooler this mm. year. So, you know, at the time when you think, you know, this is going to be a pretty good year, you know, and, and there again, I think basically a lot of it is all you do is turn money. You bring it in and it goes out. You know, you bring it in and it goes out. And I think, you know, when you talk about partnering with people, okay, I think your service reps, the guy that fixed your cooler, the guy that fixed your air conditioner, the guys, that whatever, hey, when they come, I pay them. You know, because I want that, that I know that when I call them and I need them, they'll be here. You know, and, and most of our guys that we use, they're like that. I can call, I could call them now and say, hey, you know, I got a problem, you know. Hey, Tom will be there, mm -hmm. you know, and that, and that means something to me, you know, having, having that trust. And I mean, now I mess with them, 
you know, I mess with them because, I mean, <laughs> I, like I said, I, I mess with everybody. <laughs> we got, we got a, a good example. We got a scarecrow in this particular time. The guy told me that he would be here. I'll be there today. Well, he didn't make it. And I understand that because his wife was sick. And, I mean, he was going through a hard time. So I called him the next morning. He said, Tommy said, I'll be there by 10 o'clock. So I thought, fine. I said, the back door's unlocked. I said, just go in. I said, the cooler's right, you know, where it's at. He said, I'll be there. <laughs> I took that scarecrow and I put her right inside the door. <laughs> so when he opens that door, okay, he's going to be looking right at him. You know, so that here he pulls in. So I go hide, you know. And, I see him grab his tools, and I see him open the door, and I hear him yell. <laughs> hey, gun, you where are you? <laughs> you know, but I mean, you know, it's just it's, it's things like that, you know. But I mean, yeah, those those are the kind of people that you wanna you want on your side. That I know that, you know, and, and I think in a business that's important. If I need an electrician, I mean. Like Beth said, Craig, our son, I, I could call him up on, on a, he may be out jeeping or something and say, Craig, I got kicking a breaker and I don't know why. You know, of course, he's my son to begin with, but I mean, <laughs> but he'll be here. I mean, he don't have to. He can say, Dad, I'm doing this and I understand that. But I mean, it, it's it's like that, I think, with most all the guys we deal with. Some of the ones that's, that's not good, we don't, we don't keep them, you know. Mm -hmm. But, uh. But you got to have those technical people. You got to have them on your side. Um, you got a guy from Dayton. Doug, you have a problem with the scale, right? Yeah. He know, you know, and he's a real small business. I'm sure. You know, if he comes, he'll tell you like it is and fix it, or know what to do. Tell you next. It's just. Those people are. Well, it's the honest people. I think if you're honest with them and they're honest with you, I got, we had one guy that tried to dazzle me with how much knowledge he knew and used big terms and all that, you know. Don't need to know that. All I want you to do is fix it. You know, so, but I mean, that's, yeah, you learn that. You learn that through. And we have given out my people's name that we use to other people that says, hey, who can I use for this mm -hmm. or that or whatever. Sure. Well, when you trust somebody, you don't mind sharing that information. But, uh, but yeah, to start your own business, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of technical stuff like the, you know, I'm not sure what you're going to do, but you got to make sure that you're approved to do whatever you want to do wherever you're at, or they can come and shut you down. And trust me, I mean, I don't think. But the people is really out there to help the most common guy get a business going. I mean, I know they say that there there is, but I mean, uh, some of the things that we tried, it seemed like we had more people fighting against us than fighting for us, you know. And and that's you know that's not that's not right. Mm -hmm. But there again, you just have to be persistent because if that's what you want. And that's the way we were, you know, it's going to, it's going to happen, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever I have to, but it's going to happen. If I have to go to Columbus or if I have to go to whatever, or I have to see whoever I got to see, you know, it's, yeah, mm -hmm. can't give up. Ain't that what what's his name says? The old coach, don't ever give up. Right. 
thinking about what you've created here, what, what legacy are you hoping to leave? Well, you know, I, I think, you know, we want to leave. If I was to die tonight, I would, I would hope that, that uh, and I know Brian, our son, I know he'd, he'd take over, and, and I mean, he'd been with us long enough to know what, what we expect and whatever, and there's no doubt in my mind that, that it would continue, but, but I mean, I'm thinking that, that uh, I just want to be known for, you know, that, that we've been here to support the people in, in the area and, and done as much as we could, and maybe not think we can do more, we, we try anyway. But uh, I don't know. It, 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 it's hard, you know. I still have my old coach comes up and still thinks I'm, I'm a basketball player, but that days are gone. <laughs> so, I mean, evidently he's still living on that legacy. I don't know. I forgot about that. I'm old. I don't know, Ben. What That's do you a think? a tough question. Yeah, you'd hope. Last fall, in the middle of our very, very busiest month of the year, Tom went to the hospital and two days later had open heart surgery. So that just took us flat out of the busiest season of the year. And our family just took took the reins and got, it, got through it, and they, they did a great job. So I think that we decide to retire one day. I, I think they'll continue the business. I think they will as best they can. It's just a pretty big business. It takes a lot of people. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of parts to this business. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I hope they, you know, like I said, people in the area would look to us as the leaders that, you know, that we, that we gave and, and uh, And we were good, you know, for the community. I mean, we, we try to present that, you know. I don't know. It's important that we not only build a business, but that we try to build the whole community and uh, support those that were not so fortunate. Yeah, we, it's amazing. Sometimes you get upset with how many calls you get about donating to this cause and that cause and people you have no idea who they even are. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of looking at that, you think if as soon as you have something that is a cause that you're fighting for, you want Barn and Bunk to be one of those people supporting you. you know, there's, that's the other side of it. They think we're important enough that it'll mean something to their cause. And that's a good thing. I'm sure whatever it is, somebody's already decided what what legacy they're gonna they're gonna put on us. I don't know. Hopefully, it's good. So, for listeners that are curious about learning more about Barn and Bunk, how what could they? What websites can they go to? Email, phone numbers. Yeah, our website is um, barnandbunk.com. And uh, our 
phone numbers here at the barn are 513-988-9211, and that's our business number. Um, email is barnbunk at sbcglobal.net. We do have a Facebook, Barnum Bunk Facebook, where we try to um, publish specials that are, and events that are happening. Um, that's our. We we do advertise some through the journal, Middletown and Hamilton journals, and uh, sometimes have a TV ad on cable stations. So we try to diversify and make ourselves available out there to, through a lot of common means of advertising, but hopefully they'll try one of those and get in touch with us. Am I leaving anything out, Tom? No, no. no except that occasionally we do some radio, you know, to... Um Local sports teams, Edgewood or Madison or somebody like mm -hmm. that that's got a game or and they're looking for sponsors if they don't, you know. It's kind of funny because a lot of the businesses really don't want to sponsor unless you're playing in a tournament or you're in the finals or whatever. They jump on the, the bandwagon at the end and they don't want to be looking through the, the whole thing. But uh, a lot of times, you know, you hear that. If they're playing somebody, you know, we'll try to jump on there. You know, I'm not sure how many people listen to ball games on the radio anymore, but you know, I'm sure if they're at work and they want to listen, they will. If they're allowed to, I don't know. I know I wear a headset around here like yesterday when the Buckeyes played. You mm -hmm. know, you know right. the red they don't listen to anymore. <laughs> Tom, Bev, I wanted to thank you for joining me for this episode of the Outstanding Ohioans. Please check out their websites. All this information will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Ron. Thank you.